This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good morning and welcome to Resource Centre. This is Audrey Raj. Now, over the last few years, we've had many conversations on, on this show about venture capital and startup funding, startup investing. In fact, just last year, we spoke about what VCs are looking for in startups here in Malaysia, as well as some of the main misconceptions people have about startup investing. And of course, if you miss those shows, you can go look for the podcasts on the BFM app. But the thing is, I just realized we've always had the VCs do the talking about startup investing, not the startups, not the founders themselves. So what does it take to find success in venture capital and startup funding? Well, to talk to us about this and some of the things VCs don't want you to know, I have online with me today Fong Wai Hong, chieftain and co-founder of StarHub. How are you doing, Wai Hong? I'm doing good, Audrey. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. <laughs> yeah, it's always fun to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Okay, so StarHub recently raised more than 60 million ringgit in a pre-Series B fundraising round led by 500 Global. Now, before we dive into the experience and lessons learned from this round of funding, I want you to tell us more about this fundraise, you know, what it entailed and uh, what it entails and, and, and how it all happened. Yeah, so this is, I think, like our third or fourth round of fundraising. Um, you know, we've gone through the whole C, Series A, A-plus uh, stages. And and I think in general, every single time we raise uh, a round, it's primarily to fuel um, a particular vision we have for the next you know, two or three years of the company in terms of like the growth of like the customers that we have, the value that we're creating for those customers and so on. Uh, and, I, and I think, of course, this round, you know, the pre-Series B, it's, uh, it's really different from the previous rounds, right? Because the previous mm. rounds were all pre-pandemic, pre-market crashing. And so you've got this very straightforward narrative uh, in the C-Series A of, you know, hey, we're a tech company, we're, we're, we're disrupting, uh, you know, old school technology and, and we're, we're empowering retailers and restaurants with a new, new operating system that's in the cloud, that's super advanced and helps them do all kinds of really cool things. But this round has been particularly interesting because it was raised like probably like six, seven, eight months after the markets crash. And, and so many people have you know, congratulated us. Hey, Wai Hong, well done. Like, how did you do it? Like, how did you raise around as the markets have crashed? And, and so for us, it's been quite interesting because, you know, like the store hub story specifically in the last two years, you know, it's been a really challenging sector for our customers, right? The, the restaurants, the retailers who have had to, you know, basically shut down their in-store dining and, and mm. kind of transition into, into online selling. And so working through all those challenges in this last two years have created this really interesting foundation for us this year uh, to raise this round because of the kind of like opportunities that we, we have in the opening up. But we also were, I think the VCs were also quite impressed by the fact that we were able to survive and not just survive, but to thrive in the middle mm. of a pandemic where typically if you were serving restaurants and retailers, you'd be like, you know, re like in trouble because a lot of these businesses struggled massively. They were some of the worst hit by the pandemic and many of them shut down. We were not, uh, you know, excluded from having to face that. 
Um, but coming into this new year and this new kind of like phase, it's been um, yeah, really exciting for us. And so I think the investors see that same excitement as us and uh, they wanted to partner with us to, to kind of mm-hmm. like chart a new, a new chapter for the world, I guess. Yeah. So just to give everyone some context, um, the fundraise came in sometime September. Uh, is that accurate? And how long did the whole process take? Yeah, so this this is a process, I mean, that we announced in September, but it's a process that has been kind of ongoing for probably six months already mm. and in various kinds of, you know, there was various uh, aspects to it, whether that was the legal stuff, the diligence part. Um, but yeah, it was a process that, you know, took a bit of time. And uh, But yeah, mm. we, we, we only announced it in September. So I know you call them aspects, but it's basically hoops that you had to jump through in order, in order for the money to come through. Now, talk to us about these hoops uh, and, you know, why do founders dread this process so much? Um, they dread it because there's a great amount of uncertainty. There's a great amount of poking and prodding that happens typically there's a great amount of negotiation that happens, you know, on multiple fronts, commercial, legal. Um, and so I think I remember when I was, a f- when it was my first time doing this, it was so mm. painful. I had to, like, you know, I would get thrown a term in the term sheet and then I'll have to go and study four hours across the internet. What the heck is this going to mean for now and for the future? And there were oftentimes uh, things that, you know, yeah, you can talk to a lawyer before, but you also needed to understand all the various options and whatnot. So it's a really painful process for most founders because we're not trained lawyers. And beyond the legal side of things, you know, the, the number of, like, we would be asked hundreds of questions across the due diligence process. It's painful. It's, it's tiring and it, it does drain a lot of energy. Uh, now, um, I wanted you to come on the show and talk to us about this because, you know, when we spoke back in October, um, you said, we've got this all wrong. You know, what we think the VC process entails, what they want, what really happens, it's completely warped. It's like people don't really have a true understanding of what really happens behind the scenes and, and what VCs want you to know, what they don't want you to know. And I know you've drawn up four main points that you want to talk to us about in order to help founders out there, other startups out there as well um, in their startup investing process, right? So the first one uh, is I should give VCs everything they ask for. Are you trying to say you shouldn't give VCs whatever they ask for? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's really funny because, uh, you know, we have all these tech or startup events and conferences and whatnot. And typically what the organizers would do uh, is they would invite VCs over to share with startups, budding entrepreneurs, uh, any, you know, business that was raising money, um, you know, on how best to actually raise money from VCs. Mm. And, and so I would occasionally see some of my friends or some of my you know, these buddy entrepreneurs go to these things and... And you know, a lot of the advice was, oh, you know, you, this is how you structure your pitch deck. You need to be able to tell them, you know, tell the investor what your valuation, uh, your, 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 the valuation that you want. Tell them upfront what it is, you know, and then usually uh, include your PNL and your projections in there and, and you know, all these different things, right? And, and I find it so fascinating because it's, it really is not the right way to to actually get VC money. Like, imagine this. I think the best analogy is that imagine if you turn up on a first date, uh, like you know, in in, a, in the kind of relational setting, and you, you meet a girl, and you're like, um, second question will be, 
uh, basically what are your most painful childhood traumas what are some of the most difficult you know like uh, what what was the most painful thing your mom ever did to you third question or you know and then and then of course the resp- uh, if you were to respond with here's an engagement ring I bought do you think this design would, I mean it, it's it's kind of like that right like where if too you deep, too quick right pretty much uh, and the funny thing is this right like the reality is that most startups don't realize this, especially here in Southeast Asia, because our, like you know, our power dynamics are very skewed. Like we mm. often, you know, basically just revere like the investors, and we give them all this kind of like, and so anything they say, typically we would just respond with yes, okay, I'll give you this. But of course, you know, in, in a normal dating setting, that would never fly, right? That does not build attraction. That does not build curiosity. That does not build a great foundation for a healthy two-way relationship. True. And so the True. truth is that um, while a lot of VCs have taught, uh, you know, startups to basically give them everything they want up front because it makes their job easier. That does not necessarily mean a startup should do that. I remember one time walking into a VC meeting and um, and I just walked in with myself and my phone, right? And the guy was genuinely pissed that I did not have a laptop with a pitch deck and actually walking him through, you know, exactly what my company did. But for me, it was I just wanted to get to know this VC. I'm happy to talk through my vision for the company, some of the traction we've got. He asked me questions about what valuation I want. And I said I was not comfortable sharing a valuation. I'm very happy mm. talking to various VCs and letting the market decide. And this person was genuinely upset. And he called me an arrogant entrepreneur. And by the back of my mind, I'm like, wow, if this is the kind of investor we have, no wonder our Malaysian entrepreneurs struggle to engage an international uh, VC audience, right? Because we yeah. approach all these things with this desperate looking, you know, like, oh, well, please give me money kind of like approach. And he'll take all my pride. And that's generally not what you should do at all. It needs to be paced out, right? Let's have a coffee first. Oh, so that was a really good conversation. I now understand what your fund does and how what the mandate is like. And I feel like it's a good fit. I like you as a person. You like me. Let me share more information. Let me share pitch deck over. That's generally the kind of process that we adopt today, which I guess for a lot of entrepreneurs, it's not, right? Send everything up front, go to the mm-hmm. meeting, and then it's like kind of like answer every question. Uh, and so that approach for me is is a commonly adopted kind of thing that most entrepreneurs do, which is actually counterproductive to their goals. All right. Um, so you've kind of given everyone a bit of a taste of what this conversation is going to be like. So we're going to take a quick break. Um, when we come back, we'll uh, dive into why VCs don't just invest in your company because um, it's doing well. Uh, a bit more on that as well as why you don't have to always impress them on um, how great a startup you are. All that and more happening on Resource Center with Fong Wai Hong from StarHub in just a bit. Stay tuned. BFM 89.9. Bright, formidable media. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. 
You are listening to Resource Center. This is Audrey Raj. Online with me today, I have the chieftain and co-founder of Store Hub Fong Wai Hong. And we are talking about things uh, venture capitalists don't want you to know in the whole startup investing process. Now, uh, Wai Hong, the second thing that you um, told me that VCs uh, don't really want us to know is that VCs invest because uh, my company is doing well. And, and that's the line you gave me, right? So, VCs don't invest uh, in startups because they're doing well? Yeah, that's a common misconception, right? Like, you know, as entrepreneurs, we like to think that just because we've built these really good companies, VCs would want to invest in us. And naturally, we would go out and have conversations based on that foundation. And we would, you know, try to impress people that, hey, you know, I've got like this really good company. Um, but what I've realized over the years is that the the number one motivator of a VC investing in a startup is not that the company is doing well. It's that the VC is formal. They are like, they're, they're afraid of missing out on the deal. And that's the number one thing to motivate a VC to do a deal. Like okay. nothing moves a VC faster than formal. Like, <laughs> I mean, you, you could have a great company, but if there's no formal, it, the deal is always going to be slow. That's the absolute truth. Um, and so, like, you know, so many things that will flow out from this, right? So the common mistake, startups not speaking to enough investors, even the investors they don't really like. Like, it's, it's a common mistake, right? And, and the reason for that is because it's a very simple, kind of like a bit like negotiation one-on-one. If you do not have leverage, if you do not have options, uh, none of, like the one deal that you get is the only deal that you can take. Right, and there's yeah. no way for you to kind of navigate the dynamic, right? And and of course, this is amplified in the VC startup relationship and dynamic because VCs are early stage investors typically in a life cycle of a company, and a mm-hmm. lot of their thesis and a lot of their belief is centered around this startup doing exceedingly well, ten times, twenty times, a hundred times kind of growth, and a lot of that is built off assumptions, presumptions a belief, right? A faith kind of like approach, if you must. Um, And the truth is that for VCs, when they see other investors interested in the deal, when they see other investors, oh, they're like, ah, okay, right. That's when this company is going to do, as opposed to the company and its core ideology or its Mm. core, you know, the team and whatnot actually being of a certain standard. A lot of the time, uh, the num- like if when a VC sees other VCs in the deal, that's when they will actually move the deal forwards. And mm. so, like for us, it's kind of like um, really funny, like how um, I remember I, like talking to to a, a fellow entrepreneur who was raising his first Series A, and he was so excited. One of the top VCs in town had approached him, and he was like, you know, they were asking for everything, right? The piano. Like, he was giving it all, and, and I was like, no, 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 hold on. And then there was this other investor that, that came in and said, oh, this is not a great investor. But I told him, look, you need that investor. Because, and he did, right? He, so he followed up on that, on, on that other investor he didn't really like. But, you know, he, he took my advice. And then when the first investor was, was asking all these things, said, hey, could, do you have more information? Can you share with me? I said, look, uh, the, resp- the right response is to say, yes, I would love to share more information. But when are you going to produce a term sheet? When are you going to make an offer? Because I've got someone else at my door mm. who's already offered me something. And then suddenly the, the tables turn, right? Instead of asking for more information, it's like, no, I'm getting you a, a meeting with my partner tomorrow and we're going to send you an offer in two days. We'll talk about the information later. 
And so these dynamics are actually very real. These happen all the time for the good invest for the good entrepreneurs who know how to engage the game, and then for the ones who are, don't understand the game, uh, they find themselves caught in these cycles of constantly just giving information to the investor yeah. and not actually moving the process forward. So this is kind of like something that's really uh, fundamental to the to the process that a lot of entrepreneurs don't understand. No, so this is kind of related to your next uh, point as well, as in uh, I need to really go all out and impress uh, VCs by showing them how great I am. It's kind of related as well, right? It is, right? Because if you think about it, um, in a dating kind of like analogy, like if all you do is talk 99% of the time during the date, it's not going to be a good date. Yeah. Um, and and so the truth is that we, uh, as much as we would like the VC or the investor to have a good impression and good understanding of who we are, what we do, what we're on about, uh, it's equally, if not more important for us to demonstrate, uh, well, basically, question. we need to ask questions about whether this VC is a good fit for us, right? Mm. And, and I think that's a super important part of the conversation that we often overlook. It's, you know, the typical investor startup conversations. Really, it's like 60-minute meeting. 58 minutes is the investor asking questions and getting answers from the startup. And two minutes is the mm. formalities of high and buy, which really should be at the very least 10 to 15 minutes of that conversation of you asking the investor, you know, what fund do you have? Like, how long is the cycle of the fund? How much is your typical check size? Tell me about some of the portfolio companies that you have invested in. Your thesis, what is your thesis and what is your mandate? What is your understanding of why my company makes sense in the region? And so I think these are very important questions and an important time uh, for us to you know, engage that VC and understand them better. And the, a lot of the VCs that I talk to uh, would definitely respect startups better if they actually take the time in the process and make sure that they actually engage them in this way because they know mm. that this startup is not desperate for the deal. They know that the startup is asking these questions. Be, like, the only, like you only ask these questions if you have choices. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't ask mm. questions trying to figure out if this VC is a good fit for you if they're the only choice you have. But you're asking questions. Yeah. You're, if you're trying to get information to make sure that you pick the right partner out of a list of partners. That you have. So asking questions is, a, is an important part of the, the formal foundation, but is an, kind of like important in itself. Now, you mentioned that it's important that the VC is a right fit for the startup. But earlier, you also said that you should be talking to uh, plenty of VCs, even the ones you don't like. So, I mean, I'm just trying to figure it out here, you know, like, um, so you want to make sure they're the right fit, but you also want to entertain the ones that you don't really personally like. Is that what you're saying? Hmm. Um. Yeah, look, it's the, the way I see it is this, right? It, even if you're never going to take a deal from someone, right? Talking, it doesn't hurt to talk to them because if they make you an offer, an offer from someone you, that you wouldn't take a deal from is still a meaningful way to show someone else that you want to take a deal from that someone does value you in a particular way. Mm. So that's the important part of why we should talk to as many VCs as we can. It's less important how much you like them. It's more important how much they like you in the mm. negotiation and you know, kind of like the starting phase of figuring out the deal. Um, the second thing as well that is really helpful is that when you talk to more VCs, even if the ones you don't like, 
it's always a great way to test your pitch, right? Like it's how good is the story of what you're presenting to them. And whether you like them or don't like them, you know, um, they're going to have a certain response to it. They're going to like give you weird eyes or they might smile or they might, oh, that's really interesting. Or tell Mm -hmm. me more, right? So so you you would have information and clues as to what is um, helpful to the conversations that matter, even from the ones, even from the conversations with people that you may not even want to take money from. True. Okay. I see that. Now, uh, the last one, the last point that you wanted to uh, talk about was how when you ask a VC for feedback, they will give you honest feedback. And that's not true. They won't give you honest (laughs) feedback. Of course not. (laughs) They won't. No, they won't. They're not going to give you honest feedback. Look, it's, it's like this, right? So... What is the VC's KPI, right? To make good investments that mm-hmm. get outsized returns. And, and a VC is investing at a very early stage of a company's life cycle. So when you are having those early conversations, VCs, you know, they know themselves. They don't get it always right either. They often yeah. get it wrong. Like they often make wrong bets on the wrong companies uh, and miss out on good deals on some of the most amazing companies that would ever be created. And so it isn't in the VC's best interest to tell you the real reason why they don't want to pursue or pro- you know, progress a conversation with you because mm-hmm. they're afraid that, hey, you know, if I burn this bridge now by telling him the truth, why his model, like why his vision for the future really sucks and doesn't make sense at all, I may miss out on an opportunity to invest in the next round where he's suddenly really the, the hottest thing in town. So in general, when you ask, when a startup asks, or an entrepreneur asks a VC, hey, please give me honest feedback as to why, like, you know, uh, when you're not going to progress this conversation. Very few VCs would tell you the honest feedback. They will often give you very politically correct, nice answers about, oh, no, broad statements about the market, about, you know, your, uh, your, uh, your model is not developed enough. Oh, you know, I mean, they'll say things like this. But maybe they might be thinking, oh, this entrepreneur is just not going to make it. He's not polished. Right. Would he, I mean, of course, if he's not going to tell you that, right? If they, want to, if they want to be in the running for the next round, they're not going to mm-hmm. tell you, I don't think your presentation skills are polished enough. I mean, it's not going to happen. So I think, I think in general, when we, when, we, when we ask VCs for feedback, it's perfectly fine to do so. It's just you, we need to take it, with, like whatever they say, with a huge amount of salt, like many pinches of salt. Um, and make sure that you know we we process that through the lens of this is what they want to say, you know, to kind of like just continue maintaining the relationship, not burn the bridge. Um, and, but some VCs will. Some VCs are really like straightforward and honest. And kudos, I love those VCs so out there. Many of them are my friends who are incredibly honest and willing to give feedback to the entrepreneurs. Uh, at the risk of missing out on a deal eventually if the entrepreneurs don't like them because of the mm. feedback. But I do have a lot of respect for uh, people willing to engage the ecosystem in that way. Right. Because you do help them grow that way then, right? Absolutely. But they are far and few in between. <laughs> now, uh, Wai Hong, are there any other points you want to bring? You know, anything that's just come up now uh, off the top of your head about the whole funding experience, investing experience, do you have any fond memories <laughs> over the last few rounds uh, of funding? I mean, the fondest memories are the VCs who say yes on the first meeting and then end up ghosting you for the next six months. Oh. Um, 
you know, some of <laughs> some of the most painful things. Uh, they are also the same, you know, and at the same time, there are the VCs who say yes in the first round and basically sign off in a couple of weeks. And, mm. and so I think what's definitely been very clear to me is that the process of fundraising is a skill. Um, you know, me being able to fundraise today is, is the person that's fundraising today, uh, that is me, you know, is a very different person from the person fundraising the first time around, mm. um, the understanding, the connections, the relationships. Um, I, I think the biggest difference, I would say, is not just the experience, but understanding, well, what are VCs representing in the first place? You know, who are their investors? Uh, what is the meaning of running you know, a, an investment vehicle uh, like a VC? Um, to be able to understand from the VC's perspective uh, how they approach things, how they're going to be a successful VC was probably one of the most helpful things in the fundraising process. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, so I think that's like the first part. But then there's a the second part, right? The human psychology part of things. And I think founders, we're very obsessive people. So we love to obsess about our product. We're very proud of what we build, of the teams and our traction and our customers. But we oftentimes forget that in engaging with VCs, it's less about being obsessive with them around the things we're obsessive with, but it's more about really understanding the dynamics of these kinds of conversations and the dynamics of how they operate and how we should interact with them. Uh, it really goes back to the whole dating analogy, like a lot, right? Like we really need to understand that we need to uh, pace the conversations, the appropriate things at appropriate times. Um, in general, you know, people who have very high social value are also very attractive in the dating kind of game. It is the same deal uh, with VC investings and the dynamics with startups. So before I let you go, Wai Hong, um, what advice would you give entrepreneurs who are looking to go down the VC route? You know, if they are taking first steps, um, do you have any advice to share with them? Yeah, count the cost. Like, you gotta. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you look really shocked. Um, you gotta count the cost of the money that you're seeking to go after. Mm. Um, VC funding, to be honest, is not for everyone. I, I, it basically it's what you know. Some people have described VC funding as rocket fuel. And I think it is exactly a great way to describe it because when you buy rocket fuel, it's not to power your Toyota, you know, like uh, Camry. It's to power a rocket. So yeah. be ready to put in the hours, the sleepless nights, the effort, the stress of building a rocket that will be traveling 100 times faster than the Camry will. And so I think the challenge for a lot of entrepreneurs is that we sometimes get caught up in this hype of, oh, wow, that company raised this amount of money. Oh, wow, that's a unicorn. Oh, wow. But we don't often count the cost of the opportunity we're seeking to capture. It's almost like saying, you know, uh, if you look at professional athletes, the world-class ones, the LeBron James, the Leo Messi, it's almost like saying, hey, do you know the price, the cost that these guys pay on a daily basis to be who they are? It's not like they will eat McDonald's, KFC, and Pizza Hut three times a day and still be LeBron. Like, they can't, right? They have a super strict diet, a crazy training regime with multiple trainers, and they wake up super early in the morning, go home super late at night. That's the kind of cost and journey taking VC money entails. And so for a lot of entrepreneurs, before you take that money, count the costs. 
Right. That's excellent advice, Wei Hong. Uh, Wei Hong, before you go, uh, for all our listeners out there who'd like to learn more about StoreHub, maybe you can give them the StoreHub website. Sure. So just go to www.storehub.com. That's S-T-O-R-E-H-U-B.com. And you'll find a platform that's focused on enabling restaurants and retailers everywhere to succeed, grow their business, automate as much as they can. Uh, That's the core of what our mission is. Right. And congratulations again on that pre-Series B funding. Thank you so much. If you missed out on any part of this show, you can go look for the podcast on our website. That's bfm.my. You can also find all our podcasts on the brand new BFM app that's available on the Apple App Store and on Google Play. My name is Audrey Raj and I've been speaking to Chieftain and co-founder of Store Hub, Fong Wai Hong. This is Resource Centre on Enterprise, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.